Only you can confirm your word with signs and wonders. And we look forward to you doing that. We believe that you will. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Surround us now with a great... Surround us with a wonderful warrior angels so there's no gaps in the circle, Lord, and no, nothing can hinder. And thank you for your ministering angels by each of us to help us receive and retain your word. We vow to give you the glory. May people be affected around the world because of what happens here tonight. Let's say his name together. In Jesus' name. Well, squeeze somebody's hand. I'm so glad we're related, aren't we? Family. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you tonight. I hope you'll buckle your spiritual seat belts. We're going to blast off. I want to say thank you to uh, Betty. Thank you for connecting me to this wonderful group of people. And uh, this is the first time I've preached, well, I've preached Sunday in Vermont, but this is the last state of the 50 states. I've preached in all 50 now, amen? <laughs> so, um, so here's what I'm telling the Lord. I said, Lord, I've walked through the land. Now I want you to give me the land. I want you to help me get this curriculum on forgiveness in hundreds of churches and then thousands of churches. and. And that takes, a, that takes a real miracle and lots of prayer. So we appreciate your prayers. Now tonight I want to speak to you about what I feel like is a really strong message. It's really in my heart. I've never preached it anywhere other than to record it and send it out to my partners. But it's, it's my newest message. It's, it's the deepest one in my heart. I feel like it's life transformational for me. And... Uh, I want you to get it in your heart, and then I want us all to pray this message together for the rest of our lives. It's called The Way Back to Spiritual Power. I want to give you my introduction. Listen very carefully to me. I don't want any of my words to twist. I'm deeply concerned that the American church in general, I'm not saying this church, but I'm saying the American church in general, is almost entirely without spiritual power. Now, it's my belief that the vast majority of churches, which means there's a minority that do have power, but the majority of churches are, are not seeing anybody saved or delivered or healed or baptized in the Spirit. And if you and I were to go into some city, any city, and we were to say, where can we go to a church where the power of God will be demonstrated? Most likely, we couldn't find a single church. And if we say, where, where could we go in the entire state where the power of God is being manifested? It would be difficult to find one. I suppose there might be some. We could even say, where could we go in the entire region? Because the trends in the church, the great big trends, are going the wrong way. And... I was thinking about how God brought water out of the rock, but he also brought fire out of the rock when Gideon and the Lord had a meeting. Uh, if I remember right, the angel touched the fire, sprung out of the rock, and uh, burned up the sacrifice, right? 
so he can make water or fire come out of the rock. Well, I believe that we need a reversal of the trends, and uh, Vermont is as rocky and hard in the spirit as any state, so wouldn't it be nice to have God bring a new river of water and fire, and, uh, and uh, what if we were to give ourselves over to God? What if we were the ones that cried out like they did in the book of Acts? And uh, what if we had the right motives? Uh, you know, I believe God has the same loving heart that he had then, and he would hear a prayer from similar motives, amen, and similar sincerity. Now, I, I think that we, I, I, in my written notes, and I ha you can photocopy these, I've got about 13 pages because I send it out to my partners as a transcript, but I said this something that sounds terribly powerful and maybe a little judgmental, but I don't mean it to, but, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. How can ministers stand themselves if there's no manifestation of God's power in their ministries? But I'm going to say something else. How can Christians stand themselves if they can put up with going to a powerless church and think it's just fine? And I think we should be deeply humbled and grieved at the state of the American church and see what we can do to be a part of a, a new move of God in righteousness and holiness, but it must have power. Thank you, Jesus. So my first point is, are we content with powerless Christianity? See, Christianity light is like light beer, less calories. Well, Christianity light is less power. And it gets so light, there's hardly no power left. And so the trend is to take out the power so that the seekers will not be shocked. So that everyone will be comfortable. So the pastor can make a crowd of people instead of making disciples. Jesus didn't say go into all the world and build a crowd. He said go out into all the world and make disciples of all people and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything. Not just a few things. Everything I've commanded. Disciples. Just like Jesus' disciples. Now, I believe that Christians in America love powerless churches. And Jeremiah lamented. He said, the prophets prophesy lies. The priests rule by their own authority. And my people love it this way. But what will they do in the end? My friend, there's a bad end. Powerless churches. Micah observed, he said, if a liar and a deceiver comes and says, I'll prophesy for you plenty of wine and beer, that would be just the prophet for this people. Isaiah was horrified when he cried out, and these also stagger from wine and reel from beer. Priests and prophets stagger from beer and are befuddled with wine. They reel from beer. They stagger when seen Visions, they stumble when rendering decisions, and all the tables are covered with vomit, and there's not a spot without filth. Now, these three prophets had something in common. They were preaching in the last days of their nation. National destruction was on the horizon. 
And the so-called people of God loved false and powerless ministries that were presented to them. And it was, as today, spiritual entertainment without the conviction of sin or the demonstration of spiritual power. Now Paul wrote, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. And I believe he wasn't just bragging there. I believe he was uh, giving the glory to God by mentioning the power. Now, And then he said, From Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. And so I believe the gospel is not fully proclaimed unless it's done with spiritual power and with the accompaniment of signs and wonders. Now, Paul also wrote, Our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with deep and full conviction. Now, I believe that most pastors in America have taken the conviction out. And they don't want to make anybody mad. They don't want to lose any offerings. They don't want to make the crowd smaller. Because if you really preach the truth, your crowd might get smaller. Not everybody wants to obey everything Christ has commanded. Sometimes the good pastor is the one with the small church and the false prophet is the one with the mega church. Came to you with deep conviction. You take out the conviction, what does that mean? Conviction's a pull to the heart of God. Conviction's not condemnation. That's a push away from, from God. That's what the devil does and he grinds your face in the gravel of shame. That's condemnation but when you're going the wrong way and the father says come here you little sweetheart you're going the wrong way get back up on my lap that's conviction and when you take out conviction so nobody will be troubled nobody's coming closer to God well we want to be taken over by the Holy Spirit amen so that when we preach or when we witness there's a wonderful pull Our words will come not just with words, but with power and deep conviction that would pull people into the heart of God. And then we need to be willing to suffer whatever kind of rejection or persecution comes because it's not like men will praise you all the time if you're used in the power. There's uh, There's two things that we need to resist. We need to resist the fear of man and the praise of man. And they're like two bear traps that you've got to not step in. Amen. But when the power of God operates, you might get stoned. Remember, Paul uh, cast out the demon, and then he was whipped and put in stocks or were beaten. I forget which, but anyway, they were all bloody and put in stocks. And Amen. And that was because the power of God moved. I've had experiences uh, in one church where I... I had a beautiful experience. I said, what do you want, dear? And this 22-year-old lady says, I want Jesus to heal my blind eye. And I put my hand on her eye, and it was legally blind. It was crooked. And, uh, and so her brain would shut down uh, the, the double vision, you know, and she'd only see out of one eye. I felt a current go down my arm into her eye. I took my hand off. Her eyes were straight. And she told me, she told me that she had been praying since the time she was three. She had an operation when she was born that way, and she had a little operation, and it failed. And she'd been praying all that time that before she got her wedding picture in the paper, Jesus would heal her eye so it wouldn't be crooked. But that pastor never asked me back, never would answer my phone calls. 
wouldn't answer an email. You think, wow, the power of God was demonstrated. You must have seen that I'm a, a really a legit guy. No, not everybody likes the power. The power is not going to make you the most popular person on the block. The power might get you beaten and whipped and put in the, fill- uh, the jail. Amen? But then they might come to worship you and offer sacrifices to you and declare that you're God. Then you have to tear your clothes and say, no, we're men just like you. So we can't... I'll say that power stuff just gets me in trouble. I'll just leave that alone. It might get you in big trouble. Let's, let's lift our hands up. Let's, uh, let's worship the Lord reverently. Let's just think about, uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if our lives could glorify God and He could express Himself fully through our lives. Praise the name of Jesus. Now, I believe the devil actually blesses some churches. I believe that when the devil finds a lukewarm church without any power, he cooperates with it quite fully and brings big crowds and big offerings and big buildings and big budgets. Because he knows that any time he wants to, he can destroy that church. And he wants Christians to be wayward, wayward and complacent. What's the difference? The Bible says the waywardness will destroy people. Complacency will destroy people. Waywardness is when you wander away. Complacency is where the Lord moves on, but you're standing still. So waywardness and complacency just both make a big gap. And then the Lord is way far away. We're way far away from him. Well, when the devil sees that people are getting farther and farther away, then he'll actually bless the church, and uh, it outwardly will look like it's really doing great. And so Jesus said to the Laodicean church, you say you're rich, don't need anything, you're actually wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, naked. I believe that could be said about many of the so-called great ministries in our nation today because there's no manifestation of God's power. And listen, something's dreadfully wrong when there's no manifestation of God's power. Now Paul said, some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I'll find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Hallelujah. Boy, we need to remember that. If there's no power, there's no kingdom. Paul also wrote, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're jars of clay, aren't we? We're, we're fragile. We know. <laughs> Good thing his power is made perfect in weakness. <laughs> right? But notice he said we have this treasure and the power of God is the treasure. The power of God is what makes a church rich. So if there's no power, there's no spiritual riches. It's wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked type stuff. Now the American church measures its treasure in dollar bills, padded pews, fancy lighting. Even some churches fancy smoke machines during the praise services, like the rock concerts, which is nothing more than a huge distraction. God didn't say, I want you to worship with smoke machines. He said, I want you to worship me in spirit and in truth. (laughs) The most beautiful worship is when we just uh, all begin to sing in harmony, and you don't even sometimes, uh, instruments are great, but... uh, you get the point. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
So, the power of God is our treasure. I'm convinced that the majority of American Christians are content with being powerless themselves and content in attending powerless churches. And there is a famine in the land for the manifestation of God's power. Now, does God love all of us anyway? Of course. God loves every powerless pastor and every powerless church and every wayward and complacent Christian. But the devil doesn't. Anna Roundtree was caught up in a great vision and she saw a a battering ram that was three or four stories tall and had a ram's head on it with giant wheels and it was picking up steam and picking up speed rolling down a hill and it was headed for a great big church that was made out of sand, sitting on sand and sinking into the sand and that big building was labeled the church. And then, uh, as, as in the end of the vision, the battering ram had completely smashed it and crushed it and just rolled over it, you see. So that's the end. Remember, Jeremiah said, but what will my people do in the end? See, when there's no power, it may look like a megachurch, uh, but uh, when Satan wants to, and it no longer serves his purpose, he can destroy those kind of things. Now, my second point. Here's what happens when a church has no power. Number one, it goes into error. Jesus said, you're in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. So anytime there's a ministry without the power of God, there is error there. Secondly, it goes into sin. Now listen to what Paul said in the last days. He said, there will be terrible times. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of treasure rather than lovers of God. Now you say, wow, those people must be atheists to be that bad. But he ends by saying they have a form of godliness but deny its power. What happens when you don't want the power of God to move in your church, don't care about it, don't pray for it, don't let some guest speaker come in that moves in the power of God? (laughs) You get a church full of sin, that's what you get. Let's worship God reverently. Lift your hands and just worship Him. You just tell God, oh God, I don't ever want a form of godliness that denies your power. Now see, many Christians would say, Wes, you, you, you don't know. Our church teaches about the power of God. We, we admit that God has power. We would never deny that God has power, but I would question whether you deny God an opportunity to move in power. You see, you can doctrinally say, yeah, we believe in the power, and then never have an altar call. Never pray for the sick. Never announce that people that are suffering from demonic oppression can come to a certain class or some room where you'll uh, listen to their story and then help them repent and help them get free. Thank you, Jesus. You see, you deny the power of God if you deny God an opportunity to move in power. Now, we all have to be careful because... There's such a gravitational pull towards being a lukewarm church that tries to suck us all in. And American church as a whole wants a convenient service. (laughs) It starts at a certain time, ends at a certain time. (laughs) 
They want a pretty short service. They like sermonettes. And just as much coffee and donuts as possible in the foyers. <laughs> well, I think, you know, that you can mix and have places for coffee and donuts and stuff, but if that's substituted for the power of God, it's disastrous. Let the power be there, most of all. Amen? So let's give God opportunities because you, all of us could deny the power by just being around somebody that needs to be prayed for and then not giving God an opportunity. That's why we should say, hey, let's pray. We don't understand everything about healing. I can't guarantee everything, but I want to give God an opportunity. I don't want to deny Him an opportunity. Let's pray. <laughs> you pray for me, I'll pray for you. We're all a little bit goofy. We all need prayer. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, the third thing that happens, the church is not without power. It's not able to stand against the devil. Because when Paul wrote about spiritual armor, the first thing he says is, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Then put on the armor of God so you can stand in the evil day. Number four, the church fails in its mission. Heaven's will isn't done on earth. The gospel's not preached to every soul, and cities decay and nations fall. Number five, the powerless are not ready for the coming of Christ. The Bible says this is how love is made complete among us so that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like Jesus. Not that we'll just be like Jesus in the next world. We want to be like Jesus now. He was the anointed one, and if we're anointed, then we're like Jesus in this world. Amen? And that helps us be confident you can be confident in the day of judgment. You can be confident in disasters and economic uh, wipeouts and all kinds of other things. Amen. You can be confident in anything. And number three, my third major point, let us start ascribing power to the Lord. Uh, I've been preaching on the Holy Spirit for a lot of years. And I try to tell people that God makes you worthy to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus, but that God is worthy of you receiving. God is worthy of you receiving. He's worthy of empowered prayer. That's why he's worthy of you speaking in tongues. He's worthy of empowered praise, where you're supernaturally praising God. You can praise God in other languages, but he's worthy of empowered service. So since he's worthy, why not give you power? He is worthy of empowered service, empowered prayer, and empowered praise. He's worthy. Thank you, Jesus. So when you ascribe glory to God, see, uh, I'll give you an example. One thing. It says, ascribe power to God, whose majesty is over Israel, whose power is in the skies. Psalm 68, 34. Psalm 62, 11. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. Jesus said, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Paul said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. And notice it was just one thing. He didn't say truth and love and wisdom and kindness. If there's only one thing ascribed to God, it's power. What if, what if you ascribe two things to God? Daniel said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. 
Revelation 1, 6, and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. I'm always, I'm always troubled when I hear Christian songs say, we'll give him glory, honor, and praise. And then they leave out power. Anytime you hear a song where somebody's saying, we give you the glory, we give you the honor, it's just a little bit unscriptural if you don't say, we give you the power. How can you give God power unless he gives it to you first so you can give it back to him? Three things. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and, and exist. After this, I heard what seemed to be a loud voice and a great multitude in heaven cried out, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Jesus taught us to pray, Thine is the kingdom and the, say it, power and the glory forever. Now what if there are four things Jude wrote to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forever. Revelations 5.11, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power. Five things. David cried out in worship, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. And then I thought I had an example of six things but it turned out I didn't count right. So we skip six and go to seven. Revelation seven twelve. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> and then Revelation five twelve. Millions of angels circling the throne, crying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive. What do you think they say first? Power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Power's never left out. Praise may be left out. Honor may be left out. Majesty, the kingdom, authority, all those things may be left out. Never, ever leave out power. Now let's, let's lift our hands and worship God. That's one of those Selah moments. Hallelujah. Never leave out the power. Hallelujah. God is worthy of power. He gives us the power, we give it back to Him, and we give Him all the glory for the power. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'd never want to use the power and not give Him the glory. But we can't bring Him much glory if we have no power. Thank you, Father. Now, that helps us get back to spiritual power because, you see, all power comes from God. Every bit of power the devil has came from God. God gave him the power that he uses and abuses. And so if there's any power in a demon spirit, it came originally from God. Now, the Bible tells us God is going to strip the evil spirits of power. And in Isaiah 14, 10, uh, will someday be fulfilled when Satan himself is in hell and the people in hell will taunt him and say, you have become weak as we. You have become like us. God's going to take back the evil power. Now then, when you're praising God and you're saying, oh, power is yours and you're worthy to receive power, then, you know, something dawns in your mind and you start thinking, well, hey, God has all power and uh, he's going to take it back from the devil, but uh, he would probably like to give power to people who love him and want to bring him glory and, and serve him and he's got plenty of it and uh, it just seems right that I ought to have some power to serve him with and give back to him. Amen? 
she so ascribing glory and power to God? Let's tell him. Let's lift our hands and tell him, all the power is yours, Lord. Hallelujah. All the power is yours. The glory is yours. The honor is yours. The wealth is yours. The strength is yours. The wisdom is yours. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So then we realize what a shame it is to not have any power to give back to God. And God wants to give each of you power. Each of you power. Number four, major point. What did Jesus say the church would receive when the Holy Spirit came upon them? (laughs) He could have said you're going to receive love. Well, you do. He could have said you're going to receive truth and wisdom, kindness, all the fruits of the Spirit. But you see, power is power to be kind. It is power to love. Hallelujah. It is power to be good. It is power to tell the truth. Hallelujah. So power is is what we receive, the number one thing. You'll receive power when the Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Now the word witnesses can be translated martyrs. And so we want to be given over to the power of God not to be better than the Joneses or to get the praise of men or to exalt ourselves, Because the power of God might bring us into a lot of conflict and uh, it could cost us everything. But uh, when you think, oh God, I, I really want to love you, I really want to be sincere, I want to be the real deal. Amen. So Lord, uh, I'd like to be your, your witness, a powerful witness matter what happens. Thank you, Jesus. Now, he said, you'll be my witness locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. That's, you know, he said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the, and the ends of the earth. But for us, as here, we can best translate it, you'll be my witnesses locally, regionally, nationally, internationally. And isn't it wonderful how God sends uh, Judy to telling me how you've been in Russia and ministered in Russia and various of you have been on various missions trips in different countries. Well, we want God to use us locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. And I believe all of you can be used internationally, but we don't just want to do international, we want to local too. All right. Uh, <clears throat> now, apparently God wants his people to be empowered. What do we want? <laughs> See? Now, Micah, he said, but as for me, I'm filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. <laughs> Was he bragging? No, he just, he's, he probably got martyred. Most of the prophets did. But he's, he's just saying, no matter what happens, I'm filled with power. Hallelujah. <laughs> Come what may, I'm going to testify, I'm going to preach, I'm going to honor God. My fifth point. We should want God to be glorified by the demonstration of spiritual power. Now this is really, really on my heart. Peter and John went to the hour of prayer and they saw a man who was crippled from birth and had never walked. He was over 40 years old. He looked to them like they were going to give him something, and Peter said, I don't have any silver and I don't have any gold, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And so then a whole bunch of people believed, and they were brought before the authorities because the power got him in trouble. 
And then the authorities threatened them with death. And they said, don't you preach anymore in the name of Jesus. They came back to their group, their believer, whether it was a house church or a bigger auditorium, I don't know. But they came back to the church and they prayed this marvelous prayer. And they ascribed power to God first before they asked him for anything. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the nations uh, and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. In other words, you're in control. Then they said, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now notice, their motives were pure. and They could have said, we don't need to ask God for power. We barely just had a mighty miracle. Did you see that? God uses to pull that cripple right up there he can walk man I don't need any more power I'm just loaded with power (laughs) right they didn't act like that see so all of you ministers you've all been used in power I've been used in little power what should our attitude be it's a new day it's a darker day there's a greater need for power the nations of the world are still banding against God and against his anointed And the political world is trying to tell the church, we make moral law, not you. Not God. There is no God. We'll tell you what is right. We'll tell you what's wrong. We'll persecute you if you don't toe the line. Now, we need real boldness. And we ought to be wanting God to be glorified so bad we'd say, oh, Lord. See, I pray for people to be filled with the Spirit and speak in tongues, because I think it's very important that they speak in tongues. But they'd already received the tongues. Now they're saying, Lord, we want boldness to speak soul-winning stuff. We want to we preach to people. We want boldness to speak in our own language what they need to hear and tell them how to get saved. Because too many times we're content with a little Pentecostal woo-woo and no great witness to the lost. So when they sincerely said, Oh God, we want to be filled with the power. We want to be filled with your boldness. We want you to stretch out your hand. Now, listen carefully. God was so eager to answer that prayer that the building shook. He shook the building. And we read that as a story and say, Wow, that was some meeting there. But you missed the point. God shook the building because he was wanting to say, yes! I want to answer that prayer. I like that motive. That's what I want. Pray that prayer. He'll shake it again. Hallelujah! If we have that motive, don't you think the same God will somehow respond? He may not shake the building. He might shake your car next time you're going somewhere to preach. I don't know. He's a God of great variety. But I believe his heart is just really wanting us to be sincere and pray that. Oh, now listen. 
They were all filled with the Spirit. It doesn't say the apostles were refilled. It doesn't say the deacons were refilled. It says they all were refilled. Lift your hand and praise God. You're one of the all. God wants to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. So the sons and the daughters are all used of God. We'll all be used. We'll all be filled. God loves every one of you. wants every one of you to have fun. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Well, God really likes giving power to his people. The Bible says in Isaiah, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths will faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now, here's something else I, I feel compelled to say. Something has happened in our churches where almost no one waits on God. When our services are so timed, and sometimes they have to be timed, and I understand all that, and I try to stay within the time. I preach at wonderful churches and have a whole bunch of people filled, but they've got a clock on the back wall, and it tells you how many seconds before the service starts, and then it counts down, and you know when you better get done because that parking lot's changing. I understand all that. But somehow we've got to design either a camp meeting or an evening service or, or a home group, or we better figure out a way to wait on God. Because when we get together and we pray like the early church, that's waiting on God. That's not just saying church is about over, we're going to get out of here. Amen? And... And he's going to renew our strength, but we are going to have to uh, decide we want to wait on God some. Amen? Amen. And I don't think that waiting on God is because we have to talk him into anything. But it's just somehow we've got to get our hearts right, not be in a, a big hurry and prioritize other things over, over God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, here's a great prayer. So even to old age and gray hairs, O oh God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Now, I'll tell you a little personal story. It was March 17th, 1968. I was a senior in high school. Two Christian girls found out I was a Christian. They invited me to come to their house for a prayer meeting. They said, we've never done anything to witness to our school. Would you come to a prayer meeting? So I agreed. I drove into their driveway. They ran out to meet me crying, told me that our six A-squad cheerleaders had just perished in a plane crash. They landed in a crosswind. The private plane flipped, cartwheeled, exploded, and they were swept out into eternity. And we had never shared our faith with any of them. We didn't know if they were ready for eternity or not. And so I wept and cried and promised God that I would share my faith. From that, I, for five years, I'd been just a secret believer. I had all kinds of problems in those days, but I, I got a pastor to help me make a scripture chain, and I began to uh, say, hey, I want to show you something in the Bible, and I'd go to John 3.3, 3, uh, you must be born again, and I'd end up with Revelation 3.20, behold, I stand at the door and knock, and I'd take them you know, through the book of Romans, a few key verses, and, uh, and I ended up leading 12 to the Lord from March 17th to the end of the school year. It was only a couple of months, but I was able to bring 12 to the Lord. Now, I just went back... Uh, just before we came here, we went to South Dakota for my 50th high school reunion. And there I met uh, the editor of the high school newspaper, which I led to Christ as she sat on the journalism table after school, still living for God. 
and I met a guy named Tom Callan, and I had witnessed real strong to him and, and just sowed the seeds, and he went and got saved in a church and walked forward. Amen. But he was there. And then I met a, 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 a girl that was in my class. She used to live out on the, near the ranch where we lived, and I used to take her in my car, pick her up for church, and take her to the Southern Baptist Church. And she's on a praise team and, you know, in her church and living for God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, now, I, I prayed, oh, God, I've got this opportunity to go to this reunion. I really want to go. I want to continue to witness to them. And they asked me to, to do a graveyard site at the, at the graves of the cheerleaders. So there was about 15, 20 of them there, and I was able to say, Jesus is the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, you know. Though he die, yet shall he live. He that believeth in me and liveth shall never die. And uh, had a prayer there. They asked me to pray over the banquet meal. I was able to hear a good spiritual prayer over that. But then I had a table where I gave my books on forgiveness away. And I was able to give 85 books away and sign them. See, so I'm a baby boomer. I'm trying to witness to my generation. But you know what? Now my hairs are gray. I'm, I'm 68. But I'm praying I'm going to have power for one more generation. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to declare God's power to another generation. So I'll take my fish oil, try to keep my spirit sweet, take walks, and have all of you pray that God will give me power. And I'll pray for you. Let's worship the Lord. I'm, hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, I think I'm... Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. What a wonderful thing it is to be used of God. Recently, I was uh, down in uh, a little town in Oregon, and one of my friends, uh, who is a partner, he just looked so ragged. He really looked terrible. He's in his 40s. And he said, I just don't feel good. I just been, you know, I said, everything's been bad. And I said, well, tell me, what, what's the problem? What's the? He said, well, it's, uh, it's my intestines. I said, well, let's pray. And I didn't feel a huge current go into him. I just felt some heat in my hands and uh, prayed for him. Well, he just met me and got 43 more books from me. <laughs> and when he picked up the books, he said, when you prayed for me, I've been well ever since. And he said, I had hemorrhoids for five years, and God took away the hemorrhoids. <laughs> Well, I didn't know he had hemorrhoids, all right? All right. Uh, but how many of you know God knows what to do? Isn't that fun? Let's see, what a boring Christianity with no power. It's so much more fun with power. And then I just tell God, Lord, I give you all the praise and the glory. But that was so fun. Could we do that again? <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Lord. And then, you know, power to deliver people. Uh, this summer... I was in Albright Shores, Michigan, and I met a dear couple. The lady was about 70, and she'd had a demon inside of her body for four years. And, and they didn't know how to get rid of it, and uh, so it would poke her. She'd feel it moving around, and then she'd bleed excessively out of her colon. So it turned out that she hated her, her mother-in-law. This woman had married her dad late in life and then put him in a nursing home far away from Michigan, all the way in Florida, where none of his friends or relatives could visit him in the last days of his life, the last several years of his life. That made her so mad she hated that woman and a demon got into her. 
So I taught on forgiveness. And then I taught on the Holy Spirit and just laid hands on her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I never had to cast anything out. She was set free. She was set free. And I want to be given over to the power of God. I want you to be given over to the power of God. Just just worship God. God would like... He didn't say these signs will follow a few of the people that have doctorate degrees or these signs will follow the pastors and the deacons or these signs will only follow the apostles. But he said these signs will follow those who believe. And you're a believer. So lift your hand and praise God because God wants to uh, give you that wonderful joy. Hallelujah. 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 Now, I thought I'd uh, give you a few practical steps to increasing your power. Number one would be to desire that God be glorified. I think that's supreme. We don't want power. See, if we want power for some other motive, then it'll get kooky. It'll get, it'll get kooky and it'll twist and become bizarre. We might even get some, some bad power. And Jesus said, I'll do whatever you ask in my name that the Father may be glorified through the Son. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Now, I've been praying for years that God would use me to bring massive glory to God. And I encourage everybody to pray that prayer. Not just a little glory, not a lot of glory, but massive glory. Now, when God says you're going to bear much fruit if you abide in me and my words abide in you, from his perspective, who made an endless universe with stars that not even the Hubble telescope can find the end of it, when he says much, it probably looks to us massive, don't you think? <laughs> so he say, I want you to bear much fruit. And uh, if, that, if he can say much from his perspective, surely it would look massive from ours. And God would like all of you, I believe he has a special way for each of you to bring him massive glory. I believe that with all my heart. Different paths different ministries, different gifts. Give yourself fully to God. One guy might be the Billy Graham. One guy might be the guy that led Billy Graham to the Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So whatever your gift is, give yourself fully to God. Amen. And desire to bring God glory. Secondly, watch for opportunities to pray for people. Just say, can I pray with you? See, we don't want to deny the power of God. Well, we don't want to deny God an opportunity. And so one guy said to me, I was in a mill, and he had injured his arm, and the Lord told me to go tell him everything I knew about divine healing. And, and two hours later, he said, how long are you going to let that man suffer? So when I went up, I said, I believe God wants me to pray for your arm to be healed. This unsaved man says, well, a good prayer never hurt nothing. Say that out loud. Well, a good prayer never hurt nothing. And God healed his arm and then he got saved two days later. But you see, a good prayer isn't going to hurt. So you can just show kindness. You know, we can't uh, guarantee that everything we pray, we're not, uh, we don't know everything. But we can be loving, we can be kind, and we, when we hear that people are hurting and have problems, we can just say, well, could I pray with you? And for most people, that's not going to be offensive. And then what does that do? That gives God an opportunity. And we're not denying his power then. All right, then, um, I don't think all of you go to this church. I think there's a lot of churches represented here. And I would encourage you to do everything in your power without being a mean old ornery Pentecostal boogerhead. 
don't get a bad ordinary spirit or a holier-than-thou spirit, but uh, I would like you somehow to say, you know what, Pastor, we must pray for people. We've got to have an invitation at the end that calls people forward, whether they need to repent of sin or get delivered from an addiction or get healed or, or just have somebody that cares. And and the pastor will say, well, I don't have anybody to do that. So, well, I'll volunteer to lead a prayer team. Amen. And I think we just we just must not put up with a form of godliness that denies God an opportunity. Thank you, Lord. Now, here's some things that I've done. I've promised God that I would be faithful if He'd give me a deliverance anointing. I once playing basketball in the church gym at 11 o'clock at night and the door shook and the man said, help me, Brother Wes, I got a demon. I sat him down told him a Christian couldn't have a demon. So the next day he boiled, he, he ate his own excrement and then boiled his hands in water at the command of that spirit and was put in an insane asylum, lost his marriage. And I repented with all my heart and said, Lord, obviously my theology doesn't, uh, doesn't cut it. But if you'll give me an anointing for deliverance, I'll be faithful with it. So any of you could pray that prayer. Say, Lord, if you'll give me some special gift, some special anointing, I promise I'll be faithful with it. Now then, the Lord is telling me how to be kind to my wife, and he, he you know, I could enlarge the sermon too long, so, but, but one of the things he told me to do for my wife was to use my power to help her. And so to do that, I began to do the laundry, and I was in the laundry room in July of 1991 doing the, taking the laundry out of the washer to put in the dryer when a fiery anointing came into my right hand. It was burning hot, and then to, uh, and so I started wrapping ha- handkerchiefs around it. I thought, I'll pass these out, you know. But to my joy, it went into my other hand, went, started running up my arms, and it got into my feet. I've actually had, I believe I've had over 100 people healed by putting my feet on them. And have power jump out of me my feet. Now, I don't do that much just because I got criticized so badly for that. But. but God gave me power because I was using the little power that I had to help my wife. He gave me a greater power. And so you remember to the church of the Philadelphians, he said, you have a little power. and You've not denied my name, so I'm setting before you an open door. Hallelujah. Now let's lift our hands and tell God you'll use the little power you have. You'll let people into a parking space. You'll open a door for somebody. You'll, uh, you know what I mean. You might volunteer to work in the nursery and change the diapers on little kids, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but it takes power, natural power, amen, uh, to be kind and to love. And we want to use that and then say, God, if you'll give me greater power, I'll be faithful with it. And I don't believe you'll have to wait a long time for God to give you power. Now, us older ministers, we want to be like Mordecai. Mordecai, in the book of Esther, it says, was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout the province. For the man Mordecai grew more and more powerful. I believe as we age, we ought to grow more and more sweet and more and more loving and more and more anointed. Not less and less. How many think more and more is better than less and less? Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. We're just about done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Would you just worship God for a moment while I decide what else to do here? Thank you, Jesus.
Tell your children about God's power. Amen? Talk about God's power. And then here's something that's very strong in my heart. I would like you to continue to pray what the apostles prayed when they said, Oh, God, give your servants boldness and stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. Now, I want you to pray that there will be a, a stream of fire and living water. God can make it come from Oregon and go this way, but he can make it come from Vermont and make it go to the West Coast. Amen? And uh, the point is, we ought to become that prayer. Now, as this really got into my heart, I can't shake it. It's not like I pray the prayer and forget it. It's like I say it, and then the beating of my heart, the beating of my heart just saying, Oh, God, glorify your name. Bring the power back to your people. Bring the power back to your church. Turn the tide. Make the ministries that just don't care about your power. Uh, raise up faithful ones. Amen. Raise up faithful ones. We want you to be glorified. And if it costs us everything, if it costs us rejection, or if it costs us imprisonment, whatever, we don't care as long as you're exalted, as long as you are glorified, then you become prayer. It doesn't die out. And God's going to answer that prayer. The God that shook that room is going to respond because if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have what we asked of him. Now, I am beginning to close this message. You don't believe me, but I am. In the conclusion, looking back, a life that manifests God's power is a life well lived. Paul wrote, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. Now notice he'd already done a whole lot. He'd already been used, but he still had spiritual ambition to bring more glory to God. And he did until the day of his martyrdom. Now, as he looks back on his life, he could say to himself that, that, that my life was well lived. We could say, Brother Paul, your life was well lived. And I enjoyed meeting Brother Roy and his dear wife Susan, and I can say to them, well done. A life well lived. Why? Well, because we're like the little uh, loaves of bread. We're like the little fish. We can't do anything great in ourselves, but he can do something great with us. Okay, and then you look back on your life, and it's not who praised you. It's not how rich you were. All that stuff just vanishes away. But to say, I was used of God. Say it out loud. I was used of God. Lift your hands real reverently and just worship God. I want your life to be given over to the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Not just so we get goosebumps or feel a big woo-woo moment, but so we bring in massive glory and given over to His power. And then people are saved, healed, delivered. Kingdom of heaven comes to earth and manifests when it's all said and done, 
will say, oh, I had a good life. I had a, I had a lot of trials. I had a lot of I had heartaches. I had persecution. I had difficulties. But you know what? <laughs> I was used of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, Paul prayed for people, you know, that they'd be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Colossians. He said to the Ephesians, he said, I pray the eyes of your heart will be enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and and that you'll know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. And then this benediction, now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all we can ask or think. But what's the rest of the verse? According to the power at work within us. Now, could I have a usher take this away? Thank you, Jesus, or a pastor will do too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, folks, I want you to be real patient with me and real reverent because I'm used to calling people up to pray for them uh, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I instruct them about speaking in tongues, that you'll do the speaking. God will make it a language. Uh, he enabled them to speak in tongues, and then we... Pastor and I go up and down the row laying hands on people and people are filled with the Spirit. But I've never done a service where we all cried out to God. We weren't focused on speaking in tongues, but we were saying, I want power to witness, dear Lord, because I haven't been doing a very good job. I haven't been, I haven't been bold. And I've been intimidated for one reason or the other, but I want to share with people. I want to bring people to I don't want people to burn forever in hell. And, and I, I want to see you glorified by stretching out your hand to heal. So somehow we want to all pray that prayer together. And then there's a wonderful collection of anointed ministers here. And you know the Holy Spirit does come in through the laying on of hands. So somehow like to pray for people you you might say well I'm not an apostle or I'm just I'm just a lady yeah, see you're you're a believer and we believe in you we believe in what God wants to do with you so uh, somehow I would like to have us be able to bless you and just pray over you and then and then when all said and done uh, I'd like you to pray for me and for the ministers that prayed for you because we want more boldness. We want more power. So let's stand to our feet tonight. Thank you, Lord. Now, uh,